Amen. I have a couple guys move this thing for me real quick out of the way. Thank you. I think we're going to do a little bit of a change up here. I want you to turn the Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. We've had, we've had several messages already, so this one may not, not take that long, if you don't mind. <laughs> it might take long, though, if you don't mind. <clears throat> As we were praying this morning, God just really dropped this in my heart. So I'm just going to go with this rather than what was what was planned. Um, and this weekend is is of course Labor Day, and uh, Labor Day is tomorrow. But it's Labor Day weekend, and uh, what that means for most people is you get a long weekend and you go out of town. But all of you didn't get to go out of town for some reason, so I don't know why not. But uh, you didn't go yet. I'm going out of town right after we finish today so uh, for, for an overnight trip with my family. And so um, Labor Day, you know, really doesn't mean much. And I'm not here to talk about the history of Labor Day because I did not research it and was not planning to talk about it. <clears throat> but as we were praying this morning, the, word, the opposite of the word labor dropped into my spirit. It's the word rest. You know, there's a rest of faith that happens inside of us. You know, I was thinking about, uh, I mean, wasn't it crazy? I mean, I don't know if any of you were aware of, on on Thursday, there was a a rumor that got spread over the media, social media and other media, that there was going to be a gas shortage in Midland. Okay? And look, I heard about it. Too. My wife even called me and says, hey, I heard there's going to be a gas shortage. you think I should fill up with gas? I said, well, it's probably not a big deal. But, you know, if you see a place and want to fill up, you know, go ahead and do it or whatever. So she drives. She goes to the first place, and uh, they had no gas. And then she went to the next place. She said, I'm going to go to this other place. I know it's kind of a little bit more out of the way. And so there was a huge line of people getting gas at this gas station. And so then she decided not to get gas, and so she drove to pick up the kids from school and drove by another gas station. There was tons of people in the gas stations, you know, Thursday afternoon, all because there was a rumor, there was, a, there was a, something that got out that said, we might be running out of gas. And guess what happened? Because we thought we might be running out of gas, we almost ran out of gas. <laughs> Because the gas stations, look, we all have our normal times to fill up. Not everybody in Midland goes on Thursday, normally, okay? We normally wait till when we need it, or whenever you fill up. You might fill up at half a tank. You're, you're a real structured person. You get to a half, boom, you fill it back up. Some of you, it's, it's like a quarter. Quarter of a tank, that's as far as I want to go. Got to go fill up. Some of you are people of great faith. You go till that light comes on. And you know that even after the light comes on, 
I got like 25 miles. I can still, I can still do it. I can make it. In the name of Jesus, I can do it. I believe in miracles. <laughs> and you wait to go fill up. And boy, it's really a, you know, it's a lot of money to fill up when, it's, when the light's on, right? <laughs> Seems a lot less when it's half a tank. It all evens out. But, you know, and so it's amazing how one lie can affect so many people. I mean, because there, no, there was no truth to the fact that Midland and Odessa were running out of gas. Now, I think there were some places that were closer affected with the hurricane issues where that may have been true. Um, but here's the deal. There was no gas shortage here. Yet there was a panic that went through our city and surrounding areas where there was all kinds of people. Now, not everybody went to do it, but there was enough people that it looked like there was a problem. I know there's one place in Odessa that ran out of gas <laughs> that just because they weren't, they weren't prepared for the, you know, everybody who came by their station you know, during the week to come by just on one day. And so it's amazing when we, when we have a, something that's not true and we act on it, you know, we kind of get, get to be a part of the lie. And so there is, there's, a, there's a rest of faith, I believe, to where God wants us to live in just this place of, of rest. You know, it says in Hebrews 4, if you're there, therefore, since the promise of entering, entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you found, be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, the good news of Jesus, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declare my oath, they shall never enter my rest, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who had formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today. When a long time later, he spoke through David, as he said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so we got to go into a little bit of the context. Right before this, he's talking about the people of Israel coming out of the wilderness. In chapter 3, uh, he's talking about, in, if you want to go back to 3 and verse 7, it says, The Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear your voice, don't harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested me and tried me for 40 years and saw what I did. And that's why I was, I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they've not known my ways, so I've declared they're, they're never going to enter my rest. Verse 12, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. And then if you go to the end, it says, why were they not able to enter God's rest? So we see that, verse 19, that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. 
And so God had this, this amazing thing that would happen. What, what happened to the, to the children of God in the wilderness? There'd be a little rumor that would go around. There'd be just somebody would say something and say, man, I'm tired of eating this manna. You know, because they had bread coming down from heaven. That'd be like this little, little grumbling, little complaint. Like, I want some meat. I'm tired. This, this manna isn't good enough. Okay, now that, that was the lie right there. Because if you remember in, in the scripture, if you don't remember, I'm going to tell you. The scripture said that the manna was the perfect food. It gave them everything they needed, and they were kept without sickness while they were in the wilderness. So there was, a, there was something supernatural going on. They were eating supernatural food. I mean, some of us, you know, we've been to some good places where it's, it's almost supernatural food. But it's not quite. It's just really, really, really good. But this is supernatural food. It said this is bread from heaven. This is, this is something, something from heaven that came down. This is maybe, maybe this is something we get to eat in heaven. I don't know. If we get to heaven, do we get to try manna? Do we go, what is that stuff? Man, I want to know what it is because that's what manna means. What is it? <laughs> that's what they called it, manna. What is it? And they tasted it. It was, it was kind of sweet and kind of good. And so they, had, they were supernaturally being provided for. You get that they had everything they need. And so they, they had what they needed from God, but they, they, were, they were believing a lie that it was not enough. And so then what would happen was the, the word would begin to spread. I want meat. I want something else. I want this or that. Well, how come we don't get water like we needed? How come this and that? How come this guy Moses is in charge? You know, who, who made him in charge of us? You know, who... How come Aaron and all these people are the high priests? We can be priests too. All this, all this crazy stuff, it's all spread through the same way that the gas panic spread. Someone has an idea, it gets shared and shared and shared and shared and shared and shared till enough people believe it and act on it that it causes trouble. And it says, you know, that generation, that whole group of people didn't enter the promised land. They didn't enter the rest of God. They didn't enter the, the place that he had for them because they, re, they refused to believe. And so what this is saying is this. There is a rest that you enter into in God, but it only happens by faith. It only happens by trust. It only happens by belief in him. You can't, you can't get there any other way. And if you are in that rest of faith, then you're less likely to believe a lie. You're less likely to run after something that you don't need. You're less likely to say, what if? What if? What if? Because just as John was saying, that's what happens. When you get bad news, what immediately do you do? You're saying, oh no, what if? What's going to happen? What's going on? What's, what's this mean? And we can either turn to the internet... The one source of truth? No, it's not the one source of truth, right? <laughs> the all-knowing one. Let's go to the internet and see what everybody has to say about this. And then we get everybody's opinion about what the truth is. And so we've got all this information, and yet we haven't gone to the one who is the truth, who has all the information and has the power to do something about it. That's how you know you're in the rest of faith, is that you just go to Him first. That, he, that he's, he's the first internet you go to. He's the one you log into first. He's the one. You know, and look, it's a habit. What do you do? Oh man, let me check that out. 
I mean, I do it when conversations happen all the time. Somebody says something about that, I say, man, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm going to look that up right now. I'm going to go find out. Let me, let me find out when the, when the War of 1812 was. <laughs> was it really in 1812? Or is that just a title they put on it? Okay? I mean, anyway, uh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. So, <clears throat> you know, when you're in the rest of faith, there's peace there. You know, because God, in this passage, the writer of Hebrews compares it to the seventh day when God rested. You know, when God cre- created the world, it says, on six days He made all the stuff. And then on the seventh day, it says that God rested. Now, God didn't rest because He needed to rest because He was tired. Like, oh man, that worry wore me out. <clears throat> it's hard to create galaxies, man. Oh, it's... Um, you know, especially, man, when I made those humans, golly, that took a lot of work. I hope they don't screw it up. <laughs> so, you know, God didn't need to rest. He, he, was, he was demonstrating for us a blessing He was going to provide. And the Old Covenant, they were reminded of that through keeping the Sabbath. In other words, there was a day where you were going to set aside and just and just... Trust in God. You're just going to rest in Him. You know, when they were in the wilderness, it says they only got manna for six days. And then on the Sabbath day, it wouldn't come because the day before, they'd get enough for two days. They would get everything they needed. They just had to trust that it was true. What happened the first time? They had the six days of manna. And then on the seventh day, what does it say? Some of them went outside and they're like, where is it? Where is it? Where's the stuff? And God's like, <laughs> God got a little bit upset, it says. He said, Moses, didn't I tell you? I said, it's going to come out on six days. And on the sixth day, you're going to have enough for two days. Every other day, if you kept it, it wouldn't be good for the next day because he only gave enough for each day because they had to trust him each and every day to provide for them. And then on the seventh day, they could rest because God had already given it to them. They would enter into the rest and there was the communion with God. It was meant to be a, a day uh, focused on, on the Lord. Now, I don't believe that there's a certain day that we have to observe. I still think it's a good idea to take a Sabbath rest, to take a day where we are resting from our work, where we are maybe recharging our batteries, where we are turning, refocusing ourselves on the Lord. But in the New Testament, it says that we can enter into God's rest. In other words, every day can be a Sabbath. Every day can be communion with God. Every day can be the place where I am, I am at peace and know that God has provided what I need. And when that voice of discontentment comes, it says, we need this, we need that. You know, I don't have this. Why is this not happening? You know, the, the rest of faith says No. I'm trusting in the one who's paid for everything. He's going to take care of me. There's a, there's a rest of faith. There's a rest and it's only entered as we trust in Him. Have you found that when you're trusting God for something, you're more at peace, you're, you're more calm, you don't, you don't fly off the handle as much, things don't, don't rock your world as much, you can, you can have harder things happen. And when you're kind of disconnected from the Lord, when you haven't been paying attention, when you haven't been 
plugging into the one who, who, who is the rest ultimately, who is the source of peace, who is the source of provision, who is the source, source of all goodness, who's the source of encouragement, that, that I can easily be moved out of that place of rest. And so, hey, look, today, today if you hear his voice. See, that's the thing with God, every day is a new day. God's time is always now. It's, it's always now. It's always, he's always saying, right now, I've got something for you. Right now, I have what you need. Right now, I have something to say that you need to hear from me. Today, if you hear His voice. Today, God called it today. And He says, look, to, every day is a good day. Today's the day of salvation. You need to get saved. You need to give your heart to Jesus. Today is a good day. You need to get your life changed you need God to provide for you. Today's a good day. You need God to speak to you and give you wisdom. Today is a good day. But you're going to have to trust Him. You're going to have to trust that today He's given you what you need. Because then there's a rest of faith that comes. Because you know what? We can't provide for ourselves the things we want sometimes anyway. What we're looking for, what we really need on the inside... We, we can scramble, we can do all this stuff, we can have lots of activity, but we're not, we're not going to find what we really need unless we're just resting in Him. That I enter the rest of God that says, you know, I'm going to receive this rest. For anyone who enters His rest, in verse 4 and 10, or chapter 4 and 10, says, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall away by following their example of disobedience. In verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Excuse me, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What this is saying is this. Jesus knows what it's like to be in a weak human body where we're tempted. You know, I was thinking about that song we were singing at the end there, and it has that part where it says, I give you permission. And it's so powerful. Isn't it amazing that God gives us the option to give Him permission? I mean, that's, that's, that's why, if you think about that, it doesn't make any sense. God says, you can give me permission to do something in you. Whoa, why, why, would, he, why would He entrust me with that? You know, Jesus was the same way. It says, you know, that... The night, the night before Jesus, the night he was going to be, he was going to be arrested. He's he's in the garden and he's praying, and he's asking the Father, basically, you know, if there's another way, then I want to do it, but not my wills, but yours be done. In other words, I I'm giving you permission. I'm going to do what you want to do, but he was in his in his human body. It was not sin. He was just facing the weakness and the reality of 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 having flesh and facing things that are coming at you. There's discouragement coming at him. There's fear coming at him. There's, there's all these things that were coming at him. It says Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. He was tempted to fear. He was tempted to doubt. He was tempted to be discouraged. He was tempted to run away. 
Yet he was without sin. He never gave in. He found the grace. He gave permission to the Father to say, do whatever you want, not my will, but yours be done. And that's what the rest of faith is. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And Jesus received, of course, we know, the grace, the power to face the cross. To face the worst thing ever. The most horrific thing ever. Not just the cross, but the sin of all humanity. Sometimes we need, we need to give God permission. I'm, I want to give you permission, God, to, to touch this area of my life. You, do you have some keep out signs? Don't raise your hand. How many of us have some keep out signs? You got certain sections of you know, your life that you're like, God, anything, and then there's a sign on this door. Jesus is like, how about this one? Uh, no, it says keep out there. <laughs> Can you read? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I shouldn't be sarcastic to you, right? <laughs> Not a good idea, right? But, you know, there's sign, and here's the thing, God honors that. It's so awesome that God doesn't say, keep out, says, you know what, I'm going in anyway. He says, I want in there. I want to go in. You can trust me. I can go in there. I can go into that place of your life. And I can, I can do something good. Everything I do is going to be good. But you're going to have to open the door for me. You're going to have to give me permission. I'm not going to barge my way in. I'm not going to force my way in. I'm not going to make you trust me. I'm going to ask. Because it's a rest of faith. It's a rest of trust. It's a relationship. He said, look, I've brought you into the family now. You've got authority. You've got, you've got authority to say yes and say no. I want you to say yes, but you've, you've got authority to say no. And so I don't know what it is today that if there's an area of your life that you just need to give God permission. But I just want us to, as we close, take a second and just, just kind of respond to that. Because I think that's kind of the point that God's saying right now. There's some of us that have some keep out signs. I mean, some of them are like, we've got the keep out sign and like the padlock. <laughs> you know, the door's taped with caution tape. <laughs> you know, it's, it's decorated. I mean, there's, you know, there's a trap door in front. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like decked out. And you're like, God, not here. And maybe today, Jesus is just going to come knocking on that door. Say, can I go in? Will you give me permission to touch that part of your life? So can we just close our eyes for a second? Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. Speak to us about those doors, God. Speak to us about any door that we have, we have closed off to you. And right now, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good that you are not going to come in and wreck that place. You're going to come in and heal that place. You're going to come in and free that place, Lord, where there's been, where there's chains, where, there, where there's 
where there's bondage in that place, God, where there's where there's where there's brokenness in that place, God, you're going to bring freedom. You're going to bring healing. You're going to bring life where there's death, God. And we thank you, Lord. We thought those rooms were off limits, Lord. And for some of us, we've forgotten about that place in our lives. We've just kind of we've just kind of let it go. We we don't want we don't even want to think about it. We don't want to we want to pretend that it doesn't exist. But right now, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us right now. And we choose to give you permission. We give you permission. We give you permission, God. And so right now, we choose to open those doors. We choose to remove the signs. We choose to remove the caution tape. We choose to take off the barriers that that we have placed there. That we have said, we don't want you in here. It's too hard. It's too painful. But Lord, we invite you. We know that you're a, you're a good God. We know that you have a place of rest for us. That we can go in there, in that room with you and see that you can go to that place. And you can make it a place of peace. You can make it a place of healing. You can make it a place of redemption. You can make it a place of rescue. You can make it a place of deliverance, not a place of bondage. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for right now gently reminding us of who you are. And we choose to give you permission. Our hearts are yours, God. Help us trust you. Lord, you said that we could go to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace. Or sometimes we just need mercy to just wipe away what went wrong, Lord, what what, what, what junk and sin has got in our life. But other times we need grace. We need grace. We need the power to overcome. Lord, we need the power to walk in the if God is for us, who can be against us. Lord, we need the power to walk in that truth. And so right now, Lord, we're asking for that grace. We're asking for the grace to open those doors. Lord, and I pray it's not just about right now. Lord, it's about this week. It's about this month. It's about what you're saying to us right now. For some of us, you're just you're highlighting the door this morning and you're saying, hey, I'm, I want to come in here. Let's have a conversation. And for some of you, it's just the freedom of saying, okay, God, I'm willing to talk about it. Let's start talking about it. And he's going to begin to speak to you in your times with him. If you take time with him, he will begin to speak to you. He will begin to declare truth and the truth will set you free where you will open that door. You will open that place of your life to him. We thank you for that, God. It's the truth that sets us free. We declare freedom over our lives. We declare peace over our lives. We declare rest over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you, if you need specific prayer for something, we invite you to come up here and, and stay with us. And we'd love to agree with you. If not, please uh, be blessed as you go and have a great holiday tomorrow. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my inner.